Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to Billy Jensen. Well, Billy's sitting next to me and I'm across from Alexis, but you know, that's just details. We're going to start things off a little bit differently because Billy is like our resident kind of creepy guy. <laughs> And very festive and celebratory. What does this mean? Resident creepy guy. There's three people here. I'm the only guy here. You guys are a little bit more creepier than I am. How am I, I just happen to say that, you know what? Yes, the owl poem was messed up. So, but you can get. I'm going to be delivering the holiday festivities for each week. Yes. And here's the thing. Here's how we're doing it. Alexis has gone and printed out basically like every day has so many holidays that are like happy national like white t-shirt day but you've printed them all out and we're letting billy choose his favorite i'm the master of research yes. by the way happy national white t-shirt day was from the plain white tees who sang the song hey there delilah. Hey, delilah. i they were friends of mine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know them very well they That's were at the, pink house when we lived there they were mm-hmm. all right so today is happy make your own head day <laughs> which is what make your own head day is for crafting the day's goal is to make a likeness of your own head Using paper mache. Oh, paper mache. That's like a life-size 3D rendering of said face. I wonder if you can put it on your own face. And of course, who used paper mache or a variation of paper mache was the the guys that uh, escaped from Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. Didn't they make like a fake head? They did make a fake head. Yes. Ooh, okay. I wonder if it happened on this date on Make Your Own Head I think maybe maybe that's the inspiration. No. It's also (laughs) National French Toast Day, too. I think what we should do is when we do this, have Billy tie it back to true crime somehow. I liked that tie back. Okay. So National French Toast Day, the, uh, who, the, the who connection ate with toast the, as their final meal. I don't know if anybody ate French toast. With the, I was going to tie it up to Marie Antoinette or something, but mm. you know, I bet you could look up somebody's final meals, French toast. Uh, I was not, I was told there would be no Googling. We have a snack spread like always, and it is next level today. Snack spread like no other. Lots of Frito-Lay products. <laughs> Oops. Alexis, turn your phone on silent. I am the source of all the noises on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going to lean Heavy into that. breathing, text messages, text messages, chewing. Clanging of ice cubes in my drink. All of it's me. I'm sorry. So we are eating Frito-Lay products today. Just for specific reason that you will understand in a little bit, but I'm also eating uh, potato chip chocolate. We also have um, some other brand of sweet Maui onion potato chip, and <laughs> in case you cared, yeah, and salt and vinegar, so, and rose, yeah. Lacroix, you're and to, vodka. You're trying to show that we're like, uh, you know, of the people by talking about Frito Lay, and then we have these bougie potato <laughs> chips that you guys got. Yeah, they're pretty bougie. At, well, those the, are the ones the me and Jack store. are eating. You're eating the Frito Lays. We're just trying That's to be right. transparent about the fact that we are total messes. We also yes. have hummus. Okay. Anyways, let's get into the story. All right. It's enough of snack chat. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're starting, and and here's the, here's the here's the thing: a sense of place is really important for every story that we do and every murder story. But it especially the case 
with this crime that we're going to talk about today. It takes place in Rome, Georgia, which is a county northwest of Atlanta, population about 35,000, not too big, not too small, proud to be in the Bible Belt and all that implies and how you live your life and how you treat your neighbors, a great many of whom you'll know by name. This is how these people live. Small town. Small town, Bible Belt, church going, love thy neighbor type people. And I did a Google Earth situation and looked up the Rome, Georgia neighborhoods. And they have like a mixture of houses where it looks like houses that could be anywhere, kind of standardly built houses. But they also have a ton of those kind of plantation style ones with huge wraparound porches, element juleps, sweet tea. Wait, you saw this on Google Maps? No, I just picture them happening. Oh, okay. She saw the Google Map picture, and then she made her own, like, image in her Mm -hmm. head of what they would be doing on these porches. You know know what? It it reminded me of sharp objects. I never saw it. Yes, I saw it. So if you've seen sharp objects, it's kind of like that kind of energy is what... picture. I... Exactly. Cool. So this is a really interesting case and a really interesting first-degree connection for this story, because for the first time ever, we have an individual who's connected to every single person in this story. And not only just connected to them, knows them well, knows them like family. So it really is a peek behind the curtain like we've never had before. So we are going to introduce him to you off the bat. My name is Drew Burnham. I was really connected with everybody involved. Um, I've got kind of a kind of an overall view of everything that happened. So Rome is not a small town, um, but it's not Atlanta either. Um, There's about 100,000 people that live here, but uh, Rome, Georgia is per capita the most church-populated city in the United States of America. There are more churches per person in Rome, Georgia, than there are anywhere else in the country. Uh, so in town, in general, faith is a very big deal. Uh, religion's a very big deal. Church is a very big deal. All right, so Drew did a pretty good job of painting a picture of Rome, Georgia. Really, faith is the center of this community. Right. So that is the setting. What about the time? So we're going back to the 5th of July in 2004. Everyone in Rome, Georgia had just celebrated the 4th of July weekend with their families. And according to Alexis, sweet tea and juleps were flowing. It was flowing. (laughs) And you'll probably hear sweet tea and juleps many more a time oh through this episode. So, Do you really think it was sweet tea and juleps? 100%. I don't even know what julep is. It like a mint julep, the drink? Mint julep, yeah. In Georgia, 100%. Yeah, Kentucky Derby, mint juleps. Yeah, okay. no. And what else, do they, what else do they drink down there? I'm pretty sure they keg drink of a lot beer? of beer. A lot of beer. Keg. Yeah. Uh, well, beer. keg or can or bottle. The but... kegs were rolling. Okay. Wow. Sweet tea, juleps, and a keg of beer. Picture that on the 4th of July. So you could assume that on the 5th of July, everybody had a pretty raunchy hangover. Raunchy hangover, but everyone had to go to work anyway, didn't they? Yeah, Yeah, they had. Yeah, everybody goes back to work (laughs) because that's what you do after a holiday. You actually have to go back to work. The 5th of July is never a good one. So, including the police. And it's still dark when the police are dispatched to Rome, Georgia's Frito-Lay Distribution Center. You remember that callback? Around 5 a.m. in the morning. And this particular center was used to load and unload Frito-Lay delivery trucks. Right. With delicious Frito-Lay product. Which is why we have them here on the table Mm -hmm. and are indulging in them. So, the police get there. It says Frito-Lay Distribution Center. And they were called there because... An employee of this center had discovered a body of a man who was bloodied and battered there in the parking lot of this center. And he had suffered multiple stab wounds, and he was found slumped over on the floor in a pool of blood. And the person who had seen him and and noticed this scene was a Frito-Lay delivery driver who essentially pulled in to either load or unload his Fritos and Doritos and noticed a man laying there in the parking lot. The victim was dead and he was identified by a co-worker as 36-year-old father and husband named Thad Reynolds. So Thad was a district manager at the Frito-Lay factory, but he was also a church deacon at Hollywood Baptist Church in Rome. His wife was 35-year-old Michelle Reynolds and they had four daughters, Olivia, Lydia, Emma, and Jenna. Now with this church, he's not just a deacon. 
and deacons will do this a lot. They'll do a lot of other things at, at the at the church. He was the Sunday school teacher or a Sunday school teacher. He led marriage counseling for the church members. He was a discipleship leader and planned a ton of the church events and activities. And he was also the assistant chaplain at Redmond Regional Medical Center, which was the local hospital in town. Right. And it wasn't just Thad who was involved in the church really heavily. His wife, Michelle, was also. And the husband and wife duo led a group called the New Generations, which was kind of a kids program where they put on plays, skits, dances. And it was sort of this theatrical program that revolved around kind of the church Bible school studies. It's at the Hollywood Baptist Church where Drew met Michelle and Thad and where he kind of got to know everybody involved in the story. And like we've said before, church is a central part of the community in Rome, Georgia, and it is a central theme in this episode. Dad Reynolds was to this day, and, and it doesn't change because of what happened to him or because of the impact that it had in my life or anything like that. Um, that man is the best all-around man I have ever met in my entire life, and it's not even close. He was fantastic. If you watched him as a father with his little girls, he was everything that you always think daddy should be. He was so involved in so many different areas uh, of that church and his job and all this stuff. Um, He was going to work at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning just because he was the supervisor of that plant, and so if he got there that early, he could get all of his work done and be home in time for his girls to get out of school. And that was why he did it. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't this morning guy. He didn't just love waking up in the mornings. But he knew that if if he could push his work schedule back far enough, he could be out of there in time to spend all afternoon with his girls because he wanted to be with them as much as he could because he was just such a great dad for them. And and even for all of us, uh, when I was growing up, I know I didn't have a bad relationship with my dad or anything like that, but my dad worked a lot uh, to try to make sure that we were taken care of. Mom stayed home with us, and so we were a one-income family. And so I know that that Thad, in, my early, in the early part of my life, Thad was uh, really a great father figure for me because my dad was working so much. So Michelle was really, really a, a very pretty lady. Um, and she was she dressed really, really well, and she always took care of herself. Um, and she just, she always presented herself very, very classy. But she had a lot of kids of her own. She took care of them. She took care of us. The feeling that I got from her, I always felt like when she was trying to get you to do something, she always had this feeling where she could present things to you to get you to do them, to make them feel like they were your idea. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways, and with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences, and before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, 
that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree 50 at factorymeals.com slash degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on the realreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. The police are at the Frito-Lay distribution center scoping out the scene and kind of sorting through the chaos of what happened to Thad. Right. So I'm going to start off with his injuries. He suffered many, many stab wounds at the hands of his attacker and an autopsy would eventually be revealed that he had been stabbed 19 times. His body was slumped over in a pool of blood. And the police noted that the stabbings are personal crimes. So his killer was most likely somebody who knew him. Correct. Yeah, and he had defensive wounds, so he definitely fought for his life. His body was found in the parking lot, but the door to his office was open, and the scene inside was chaotic and bloody as well. So the cops deduced that the attack had likely started in his office, spilled out onto the loading docks, and then into the parking lot. And that Thad was probably trying to make it to his vehicle before he collapsed and succumbed to his injuries. Right. So the police locked the scene down and started processing all this evidence and questioning everyone in the area. And the entire perimeter is locked as police process this area and all that stuff. Based on what we've learned so far about Thad, it's not a surprise that his death was met with really just overwhelming grief and sorrow from his family. And he had four daughters, a wife, friends, his church, his congregation, and the community as a whole. I was in my bedroom. I was playing video games with my brother. I remember this entire thing like it was yesterday. Um, And mom came in to the bedroom and said, I need you to turn the game off. I got to talk to you. And I was was 13, and I was in the middle of a game, and I said, "Uh, Mom, give me – look, I'm almost done. Give me 10 minutes. I'll cut this thing off, and we'll talk about whatever you need to talk about. And she said, no, seriously, turn it off. And I wouldn't. I had heard her talking in the other room on the phone. And I didn't know what or who or anything like that, but I knew that something really, really bad had happened. And so I finally turned the game off, and she told me, she said, Sad Reynolds was killed on his way to work this morning. And I thought instantly, car accident. There was no way somebody murdered Thad Reynolds. There was no way. Nobody would have done that to him. So I immediately thought car accident. Um, and I didn't even say it. I didn't even say it out loud because I just knew there was no other possible explanation. I remember throwing the throwing the game controller across the room. I uh, got up off the bed and immediately went into my room and just laid down across my bed and started bawling, just absolutely hysterical crying, and just trying to kind of understand how this could have happened. After after I had had time to kind of calm down a little bit, I asked my mom where was the wreck, and she said, "What wreck?" I said, "Fast wreck." He he. He died this morning in a wreck. And she said, no, there was no wreck. Somebody, someone killed him. That just sent me over the edge again. And I'm, what could have possibly happened? And so I start just bombarding her with 20 questions. And at that point, we didn't have any answers. Nobody knew anything. So what's kind of interesting about this is that Drew explained to me that not only was church 
the center of this community. As far as every member and every congregant who belonged to the Hollywood Baptist Church, everyone was friends. And if they weren't at church or at work or worshiping at church, they were hanging out and doing activities with the other couples from the church. It was completely the focus and center of all of their lives. Everything that they did revolved around that church, whether it was them actually being there or mission trips or kids church or you know, church retreat, or we're just going out to eat on Saturday night, but we're going with a bunch of people from church. There was nothing else besides things that were involved with that church. So like Drew said, literally church was the center of everyone's lives. And Thad and Michelle were best friends with this couple who were also members of the church. And their names were Scott and Paige Harper. And Scott was the youth pastor, and Paige was his wife, and she was just as involved as Michelle was in helping out with the Bible study and the other kind of church activities. So uh, a little bit about Scotty. He he is a massive human, very, very large man, Um, probably 6'4", 6'5", and at that time probably... If he wasn't, he was closing on 300 pounds. Big, massive human. Not a not a, a fat, sloppy body kind of guy. Just a very, very broad, strong, you know, very, very thick guy. Um, and his personality matched. He was a uh, army veteran. He had fought a desert storm uh, the first time the United States went to Iraq. Um, and so he was a war veteran. Um, he was... I remember he would always come up to you and put his arm around you and put his hand on your shoulder, kind of beside your neck. And I remember, and at the time, you know, when everything happened, I was only 13, uh, so I was a little bit smaller anyway. But I just remember that big, like, bear claw grabbing you around your neck. Hey, man, how are you? What's going on? Um, and he was—he had this big, huge personality. Um, he was boisterous. He was loud. He was, you know, you definitely knew. Uh, when Scotty walked into a room, we all looked up to him so much. He was somebody that you wanted to be like and, and you wanted to be around and you wanted you wanted that big personality around you all the time. He was fun to be around. Okay, so like Drew was explaining, Thad and Michelle's best friends were the Harpers, Scott and Paige, who he was just kind of describing. Paige and Michelle were best friends and Scott and Thad were best friends and Scott was the youth pastor at Hollywood Baptist. These two couples were extremely, extremely connected to their church, and they were also just super, super close with each other. And when they weren't physically at the church worshiping, they were hanging out with each other and other church couples, so they're all kind of inseparable. Interestingly enough, Drew was really close with the Harpers as well. He knows Paige really well. I mean, everyone in this church really seemed to be just like family. So to say that Thad Reynolds had a good reputation is an understatement. And Drew had talked about that, how great of a guy this guy was. To the police, to his loved ones, to everybody in the community, it was baffling to consider who would want this guy dead. And he had no criminal history that suggested nothing to suggest that he was wrapped up in anything that was illegal or dangerous or nefarious. He was well loved. He was squeaky clean. No, he sounds like a saint. I mean, he was and if you've seen pictures of him, he's this very like quintessentially good-looking guy. He's four little girls. He dotes over. He gets up at 3 a.m. to go to work, to get his work done so he can be home to greet them off the bus. It's just, he sounds such a wonderful dad. Do you know how hard it is to be a chaplain at a hospital helping people through death? It's just, this guy is on another level. So, you know, Drew expressed hearing this news and how difficult it was for him to process it. The next day after they find out about Thad's death, he went over to the Reynolds' house to offer condolences. And he was 13. He went with his mom. And also uh, their oldest daughter was the same age as him. So he was instantly really concerned about what she must be going through and all of that. Okay, so the next day, uh, the day after the 6th, we went to Thad and Michelle's house, and I walk in the front door because there was a bunch of people from the church over there, you know, the normal Southern thing. And so we walked in the door, and I am doing everything I can to hold it back because my mom had spent the entire ride to their house telling me, you've got to be strong for them. You have to be strong for them. You have to be strong for them. And so I walk in the door, and I'm trying to hold it together, and 
she wasn't the first person that I saw, but it didn't take long uh, for Michelle to walk down the stairs and put both of her arms on my shoulders and say, he loved you so much. Thank you for coming and seeing us. Understandably, Michelle is crushed because Michelle and Thad were kind of the quintessential high school sweethearts. People called them Ken and Barbie. And Thad was a football player, a wrestler in high school. Michelle was the homecoming queen and described by everyone as totally gorgeous. They went to prom together, and right after Michelle and Thad graduated, the football player and the homecoming queen got married. They had a big church wedding at the Hollywood Baptist Church. I don't think they knew at the time, but the same church that would end up being so important in their lives in the years ahead. So Ken and Barbie at this stage were now Mr. and Mrs. Reynolds. But surprisingly, things weren't always peachy keen for the couple. Seven years into their relationship, they had one daughter, and from outside, everything appeared to be perfect. But Michelle was unhappy in the marriage and decided that she wasn't fulfilled just being a stay-at-home mom and a wife, and she wanted more. So she asked for a divorce, and that agreed. Because Michelle asked him, and he immediately regretted it. He thought he could have he could have saved it, and he never stopped loving her. He was completely committed to winning the love of his life back. Ugh, don't we all want that? I don't want to win any of my exes back, but they all want to win me back. That's what I'm saying. Oh, 100%. Just want somebody to win you back. They can try, but they'd fail. Yeah, same. So, that obviously was pining over his ex. He wants Michelle back. And he really did have the entire Hollywood Baptist Church congregation praying that the pair would reunite and get back together. And he really never stopped loving her. He never gave up hope. Those prayers paid off because two years later, he got his wish and Michelle decided she wanted to try again. They got remarried again at the Hollywood Baptist Church. And at that point, they had three more children. Yeah, here's my question. When is she in the church when everybody else is praying for them to get back together? Probably. Oh, my God. That is so awkward. I don't think they pray out loud. I think it's just like one of those little prayers. But he's going around and telling everybody you have to have a prayer. You have to you have to know what the direction. Yeah, he had to have told. I mean, he wasn't making doing the sermon. So he was probably like, hey, guys, like on the side, will you? He wasn't a preacher. No, but you, still, though, at the tr- have you guys been to church? I'm sh- yeah, no, no, I'm sure it's like you I was could- not baptized. Really? That's why I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah, well, the good dark. news. Well, I don't believe in hell. Have- I don't believe in hell, but all right. Well, this I'm just going to. Podcast. I'm just going to sleep. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're just disappearing. But the idea. I mean, just think of that. If you're there and you you have a bo- let's say because you two are female, you have a boyfriend mm-hmm. sitting in the same place, whatever it is. Pardon me, it's not a church. Fine, it's a book club or a what else do you people do? Uh, it's a it's a wine. bar. It's wine some club. sort of like a wine, wine club. club. And they're and they're sitting there going and we'd like to pray that jack gets back with bob and bob is sitting there going i can't believe she's doing this yeah no every week and then he finally is just like fine i know it's probably just like a i guess so because it's like i just want this awkward hell to end well, the, she did have three more kids with them, so it's not like... So they're obviously having sex. It wasn't like a, they got back together and were right. just like disgusted by each other. Right. Okay. Anyways. I mean, this is something I think none of us... This small town sort of energy, where whether it was church or not, I bet you it's a small town atmosphere where everyone kind of knew what was going yeah. on. Everyone was rooting for them, running into her at the grocery store, like, you should really give that fine boy Thad another chance. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're going with, with that accent? It could be better. All right. So, is that my only? I shouldn't try again. That's it. No, it's offensively bad. It's offen. Yeah, for being in Hollywood, we're in Hollywood right now. We're an actor. Doesn't matter though. It should rub off a little bit on you that you can do a little bit better accent. Everybody should be a little bit good. You do a southern accent. Yeah. Nope. (laughs) I refuse. Right, because mine was pretty good. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge. Inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. 
here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Really, Thad is the only love Michelle has ever known. That's kind of the summary of Michelle and Thad's relationship. But let's get back to the investigation. What were the police theories on who killed Thad Reynolds? So while Thad's family was in mourning, the police were conducting their investigation and musing over possible motives to the grisly murder because it's, again, it's such a small town. He was so loved. It's like who could have had it out for him? So robbery was a remote possibility, but not Nothing was missing from the scene or from him. And one officer told the local paper at the time that it was possible the killer thought that there might be money inside the building. But his death didn't strike them as a random robbery because... What are the, what's the robber going to take? Like a bunch of Doritos? All the chips. <laughs> I mean, I would. Yeah. Be a prime yeah, but robber. There, but there's not much. I mean, if it's a... There's nothing if there. It, if it's a shipping facility, there's not going to be much uh, Money. cash it's, that's, that's all, changing hands. Right. Totally. It's all like digital. Yeah. You know? And also on Thad, he still had his keys, his wallet, his cell phone. So everything was there. Nothing was missing. So and robbery kind of doesn't make sense. And everybody's thinking that, and the police are thinking that this is a targeted attack. This isn't anything random. This is somebody that said, I want this guy dead. And slowly but surely, more evidence and more information starts coming out that's starting to paint a really dark picture about how this murder came to fruition. More physical evidence was discovered at the scene and they found what appeared to be a sheath to a hunting knife next to Thad's car. And that's not all. An employee who was driving to the Frito-Lay lot on that same morning of Thad's murder reported seeing a red minivan speed away from the parking lot before Thad's bloodied, murdered body was found. Let's talk about that minivan for a second, because the panel van, the white van that mm-hmm. we always talk about, that van. is the creepy van. The one that Travis Forbes drove. Mm-hmm. Yes. You always hear about that getting a bad rap. I can't tell you how many other crimes had a minivan involved with Really? Like, yes. not a creepy van, a minivan. No, a minivan. Like, a, a, a soccer, soccer mom. mom. Yeah, soccer soccer mom. Yes, a soccer mom. And growing up as a child of the 70s, when everything became vanized, if you look in, like, 1977, 1978, if you had any IP, intellectual property, Star Wars, the Hulk, anything, they put him on a van, and they sold, like, a, like a car or a model or something. We were van crazy in the late 70s, and then it became completely bastardized. It came completely villainized. I just wanted to come out here right now and say the minivan is the one that should be the villain. This is one of many stories and we are going to get to the bottom of what happens when you drive a minivan and how that potentially can cause a crime. Wow, yeah, I've never seen somebody be so passionate about vans before. I've never seen Billy so excited about anything in my life. <laughs> You're really sad about the downfall of the van. I, you know what? If I could, Because I would be one of those guys with a van with a wizard on the side of it that has like a bed in the back, but all of a sudden, wow, that became creepy. Well, maybe it's always been creepy. Maybe you're a creep. Billy and his owl poems and thinking that's Disneyland okay. And his van beds. And his van beds with a McDonald's Happy Meal. Do we want to know anything else about you? You know what? It's going to come out eventually. You know what? You guys can just Every, keep on. We pick on you, him. You guys can keep on hating and hating. But Every, this is this is what's going to happen. I did get chicken nuggets after we talked about that. Oh, you did, the huh? Same night. Ah. Oh. And how were they? Did they taste like owl? <laughs> No, they were. You know, getting them late night, they're not as like hot and crispy. Yeah, because they were probably made at at noon. You don't know how to order at McDonald's. Also, you know, at McDonald's is never as good when you're sober. It's wait, amazing you, when you're drunk. Wait, but can you order fresh ones? You can ask him for that. Uh, yeah, well, you can order fresh fries for sure. Well, because they say that don't use, uh, don't put salt on them is what they say. But don't do that. What though. do you mean? Don't do put salt on them. If you if you ask McDonald's not to put salt on them, that's the trick of getting fresh <gasps> hot fries. But the problem is, is that they have to clean the entire fryer. Oh, and then they they don't have. To it's a pain plates. in the ass for them. Just tell them I want fresh fries. That's it, and they'll give you fresh fries. Will they give me fresh nuggets? 
So a second employee also came forward and said that as he pulled up to the distribution center, he noticed somebody standing in the doorway to Thad's office. They could only see the silhouette of the man, but he appeared to be changing shirts and he walked quickly to the red minivan and then was saw speeding away. And then police find something else at the scene that makes the killer look kind of stupid. Love ne- when that happens. Next to Thad's car. Hey, it happened with OJ and he got off. Oh, God. But next to Thad's car, they find a pair of prescription sun- eyeglasses. Not sunglasses, but prescription eyeglasses. Don't you think the killer would have noticed if he couldn't see all of a sudden? They might have been a, a an, extra? an extra pair. Maybe or he just like wears that. them to look smart. I mean, listen, if you're wearing two gloves and then you lose one glove and then it's there, um, what do you think? That's true. You're, you're going to confuse Michael people. Jackson. There are no gloves in this story. No, but He's I'm talking, talking about, about OJ. I understand. Sand, the reference. Yeah. Oh, wow. only the crime of the century. You're pissed. Listen, this is really a pivotal point in the story, which is why I'm not taking this lightly, because there's really just an avalanche of clues and information that comes to the surface at this point. So, of course, there's news coverage of this murder because no one knows who would want to kill Thad Reynolds because he's just a picture of wholesome goodness and spiritual grace. Details of the glasses and the minivan that was spotted at the scene are blasted out through the media. One particular man saw this news and it prompted him to call the cops. His name was Scott Roberts, and he worked at the IT department at the Redmond Regional Medical Center. And that's the local hospital, the same one where Thad is a chaplain. So he got on the phone with the cops and he told them that his coworker drove a red minivan, wore wire rimmed prescription glasses like the one found at the scene. And this guy also knew Thad Reynolds personally. I love that it was an IT guy, too, because usually it's an IT guy who knows something computer wise, something like that. This is an IT guy that's saying somebody that he knew. And IT guys are typically uh, not very well-versed, and this is a stereotype, but not very well-versed at, at, oh, inter- wow. at interpersonal connections. Uh, but this IT guy was like automatically, you know what? I know that. I, I can put these two, actually three things together and makes the call. If you work in IT, we don't think you're dumb. I know. Wow, Billy. Jeez. <laughs> really? I mean, okay, Facebook detective. I mean, li- listen. <laughs> yes, having come from some, some having been somebody that that has run websites and everything and everybody always thinks that if you do computers and if you do the internet or if you do whatever, you can do anything in terms of computers. So, I've been in newsrooms where everybody wants me to fix their computer and I can't do that. So, I have a little bit of a beef with oh my God. the whole IT community. But yes, he is just going on really random rants. Billy's got a lot of feelings today. We yeah. just have to support him through this. You know what? If you're an IT guy and you drive a, and you drive a regular van, a cool van with a wizard on the side of it, I'm all about you. Or a Geek Squad van. Or a Geek Squad. Yeah, that's fine, too. If you drive a minivan, I'm not into it. Okay. Anyways. So who was this guy's co-worker exactly? Well, it was Thad's best friend, Scott Harper. You know, the youth pastor. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Eek. And red minivans involved and wire rim glasses. I mean, could not be more exact Ooh. if and- tried. I mean, do we think that this is feasible? In this town that has more churches per people than any other town in the country? That's That's the thing. the craziest thing that's ever happened there. I know. No, probably not. Well, that's that's come out that's happened there. Mm, No? No. (laughs) Having been, I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but I was not only a religious studies major, I have a master's degree in religious studies. (laughs) And I covered uh, and studied a lot of these uh, groups, this isn't necessarily a fringe group. I did study a lot of fringe groups, but anytime that you are going to say something that has to do with religion and this is the craziest thing that happened, there was something other crazy mm. that happened in, in, mm. in the past. Like priesthood pedophilia? Well, there's, well, there's <laughs> well, that. There's, well. that. Yeah. there's always that. Like a mass suicide? Mm. Police confirm quickly that Scott Harper did, in fact, drive a red minivan. One that matched the description of the one leaving the scene perfectly. And once Scott was on the police radar, many more shady and implicating things came to light. Things are obviously not looking too good for Scotty boy over there. On the day of the stabbing, he reported to work and asked to be treated for wounds to his right hand. He had a massive cut and needed a number of stitches to heal it up. Okay, well, he's an idiot. Where it's like well, for a number of reasons, he's a f-ing moron. <laughs> completely, and also he worked at the same hospital where he requested the stitches. I don't think he thought many things through during this situation. No, he didn't. But no. I stupid people shouldn't kill people. I mean, no, 
nobody should kill people. Only nobody should kill people. Stupid, but people, stupid people, people shouldn't kill people, but only stupid people kill people. No, Unless that's, you're that's a sociopath. Not that's, not, that's not true. And I don't believe this guy's a sociopath. I don't think he's a sociopath either. Because he felt tremendous guilt. Remember, there's 5,000 unsolved murders in America every year. I don't necessarily know if those people are smart people, but they are getting away with it. They're gangbangers. Not all of them. I well, agree that mo- it's only stupid people kill people unless they're a sociopath. Yeah, totally. But I do want to just pause for a second and like really highlight how terrible this is and what Scott did, just how awful it is. So Scott and Thad were best friends. Their wives were best friends. They worked side by side in almost every area in their lives, whether it's personal, work, at the church, at the hospital where Scott was an IT person and Thad was a chaplain. Their kids were all friends and they had just spent the 4th of July weekend together as this murder occurred on the 5th of July. These are church-going people who basically preach, do unto others? Do unto, do unto, do unto others if you want them to do unto you. The golden rule, my friends. Mm-hmm. That's what they preach, and this is what they did to one another. So it's interesting. When we were doing the preliminary research for this episode, when you Google like church and murder, there's way more crimes than you'd expect. Oh, God. This case reminded me, there, there's a 2010 case in Independence, Missouri, a guy named Randy Stone, and he was found shot to death in his office. He was an insurance guy. And he has the funeral and the pastor and the pastor's his best friend. And he's he's another guy that's big into the church and the pastor's best friend. And the pastor gives his eulogy and the eulogy is about we weep not because of the separation of our love, but because of the questions that this death brings and why him and why now and all that stuff. And it turns out the pastor, which is a guy named David Love, which means that he was brother love, was sleeping with his wife, with the dead man's wife. And they went in on it together and for the insurance money. God. That is very anti-religion. Well, obviously all of these things are. And we have so many of these. Listen, aside from the fact that there are thousands and thousands of priests who have been molesting little boys mm-hmm. and are, 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 are still doing it, you know, uh, there has always been people have, have constantly used religion as and, and religion is great and the belief of God is great, but they have always used it as a cloak for something else mm-hmm. that has happened all of the time. And uh, I was once on a television show called like I think it was like an A&E show called like Church Scandals and Murders or something like that. They they had me they, they invited me to to a church downtown Los Angeles. And I just remember it because there was a bus stop below us and we were in the flight path. So we had to stop filming every three minutes or so, Oof. which was so annoying. But it was about this guy called Hans Schmidt. And I remember Hans Schmidt because Hans Schmidt was the only priest that was ever put to death in the United States. And you talk about a guy that was, I knew a little bit about him, but he was so messed up. As a kid, I think I think he grew up in Germany or Austria, one of those two. His parents had these With geese. The, word, the name Hans, I'd say you're right. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> he had His parents had these geese, and he cut the heads off the geese and then put them in his pockets, and oh. his parents found the geese in his pockets. I was like, why do you have these geese in your pockets? And he's like, I just love the sight of blood. I love blood. And he became a pastor? Yeah. A priest. Oh, he became a priest. A priest? And they were just like, they, nobody knew what to do with this guy, so they were just like, sure, okay, become a priest. He comes to America. Good, give him to us. Yeah, him to nice. us. We'll he, him. he comes to America, he goes to Louisville first, and a body shows up in Louisville, and they don't pin it to him. But they will pin it to him in a second. He goes to New York. He says God tells him to have an affair with this woman named Anna. God didn't tell him, but he does have an affair with this dentist guy. So he marries Anna uh, by him. By himself. He, he does the, the service himself. Priests aren't allowed to get married. And then he, God tells her, you got to get rid of her. He sacrifices her. It might have been because God told him, or it might have been because she was pregnant. Oh, my God. I don't know. But His goose is really cooked. Believe what you want. <laughs> they rent an apartment, believe and he slashes her throat. <laughs> he has sex with her while she was 
still alive, and then he drinks her blood. And then he goes, he, he dismembers her, he goes on a ferry, drops her, her body into the East River, and then he goes and gives mass. And then he was caught, actually, with some really interesting detective work. You guys should look it up, Hans Schmidt. The, he, he wrapped one of the body one of the body parts in a pillowcase and the police were able to track the pillowcase to the manufacturer then to the distributor then to the store then to where the store sold it which was this apartment and then the apartment said yeah I rented it out to this couple and then they were able to find this hunchmick was this recently? no this was in 1913 whoa they could figure all that shit out in yeah. 1913? yeah if you're why, organized I thought it was like two years ago we would try, we would try to find this for a uh, first degree but obviously everybody's dead right now but yeah. everybody is dead well everyone said that is f-ing crazy it's crazy everyone said in that case but i just found out about a case about this guy named daniel randall and he was a pastor and he'd also been an air force chaplain and he was a pastor who was struggling with like an addiction like got addicted to drugs or alcohol like or substance both. abuse exactly so he ended up checking into a rehab but he'd been on and off with this alcohol problem forever and the wife his wife got really sick of it and ended it once and for all when he was in rehab so he broke out of rehab and he went to his house but his wife wasn't home and he had a 27 year old daughter and he killed his daughter and then he killed himself and he God. he before he killed himself though he wrote in blood on the wall it said vow breaker whoa vow breaker on the wall and uh, the neighbor found the it was right around Halloween and the neighbor went up to the house and it looked like there was like a Halloween decoration dummy like on the lawn but it was him Daniel Randall and the wife was completely distraught I mean a 27 year old like how does your dad it's crazy town and I remember the the forgive my religious ignorance whoever's the head of a pastor at a church was asked for a comment and he said he obviously became very detached from his faith and from reality you know like yeah and I think people who are religious are not above these kind of outlier situations mm, not at all because this doesn't sound like I'm somebody re- re- religious it's like against everything and I think the irony of at least this case where he's saying vow breaker how about like blasphemer or, or commandment breaker? <laughs> what yeah. thou shall not kill? That's a commandment. Yeah, it like is, second commandment, commandment breaker. Yes. Honor thy daughter. God, that one? No, no, that's not one. That should be one. And he broke it. Well, I mean, he probably broke all of them. Let's be honest. Right. We can rewrite some after the episode. <laughs> thou shall not cut geese head off. Don't get your own goose cooked. That is disgusting. And he said, I love the... And that's the quote that they used, actually, on, on the TV shows. And there's a clip of me oh, going... Blood. Is it? Yeah. He, he said, I love the sight of blood. And of course, it's me... It, it, it's looking me, like a vampire. Me looking something. like a vampire, being all pale in like an old church, in, in, in like the belfry of an old church <laughs> with a stained glass behind me saying, I love the sight of blood. <laughs> How about Billy thing ever? You should do a documentary about it called Keep Your Hans Off My Goose. Oh, Hans. I get right. the joke. It's good. Okay, that was an incredible deviation. Now, let's get back to what the police were doing at this stage in their investigation. The cops are looking at a lot of circumstantial evidence here, and a deeper investigation revealed that Scott Harper bought the knife from Kmart on July 1st, 2004, which is only a few days before Thad's murder, and they had video evidence of him buying the knife because Kmart is actually very good with their... Surveillance? Their surveillance videos. We love Kmart. Kmart. As we've discussed, the cops have a ton of evidence pointing to Scott at this point. I mean, it's kind of like a shoe-in. Right, and clearly he felt like the walls were closing in on him. And so, in a shocking move, or not so shocking, he decides to turn himself in. I guess it was maybe the, the next day or the day after that, the 7th or the 8th, whenever he turned himself in. And... Again, I'm sitting in the living room at my house now, and Mom comes in the room and says, they figured it out. And I said, they figured, what do you mean they figured it out? They found the guy, and he said, yeah. Or, or my mom said, yeah. And and I said, well, well, what was it, like a robbery gone wrong or something? And she says, no, you're, you're not ever going to believe what it was. And I said, I said, do we know who it is? And she said, oh, yeah, you know exactly who it is. And I said, well, who is it? 
And she told me it was Scotty Harper. And I remember the complete disbelief. I said, there's, I, I said out loud, there's no way. There's no way. That can't be right. There's no way. And she said, yep, it was him. He turned himself in. He's admitted it, blah, 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 all the, the whole nine. And I just remember <laughs> almost the same amount of instant grief that I had two days before that of just knowing this was the guy that was going to carry us through this thing. This was the guy that was going to get us out of this, and he was going to be the shoulder that we leaned on and all of this. And now we're learning that all of this was caused because of him. Why would a man, a youth pastor, somebody who is so close to their best friend, kill him in such a savage, terrible, awful, unthinkable way? 19 stab wounds. What would drive a man to do this? Well, we're going to tell you, but we're already at like almost 50 minutes and we've got at least an hour more of the story. I'm so sorry. We're going to have to make this a two-parter. We started this episode thinking that we could get it all done in one hour, but there is so much depth to this case that we're going to have to save the rest for next week. I know you guys really want the two-parters to come out the next day, but that's how it is. So um, we'll have to see you next week. And until then, if you guys have a one-degree connection to a murder or other Stranger Than Fiction story, Story, please write us hello at the first degree podcast.com or go to our website, the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at Jack Vanek, at Alexis Lingletter, at Billy Jensen, and you can also DM us on there or at the first degree. We check all of our DMs. Um, and until then, keep your friends close, but not that close. And happy make your own head day. <laughs> Over and out. Make your own head out of paper. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.